Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. God wanted them to take time and camp at Gilgal, and four things happened that were critical before they could go in and take the promised land. Four things happened before they could go in and take the land that God had promised them. And I believe these things in our lives must happen before we could get where God wants us to be and have what God wants us to have. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet Are we so focused on getting somewhere in life that we fail to experience the journey? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, while we are typically in a rush to get to the end goal, God often has a purpose behind the journey it takes to reach the destination. Growing in our personal walk is never as easy as one course of action, but over time our experiences shape our maturity and relationship with Christ. Just as the Israelites wandered for years before reaching the Promised Land, we too may grow by experiencing a longer journey than expected. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to be speaking from the whole chapter, but I'm just going to be reading from verses 13 to the end of the chapter. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. The title of my message this morning is Receiving Your Spiritual Inheritance. Receiving Your Spiritual Inheritance. Erwin Lutzer said, There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. It takes time to be holy. Don't you wish you could go to a weekend conference and suddenly become spiritually mature? Don't you wish you could enroll in one of the classes that we have in our Berean Institute and suddenly have instant spiritual maturity? Wouldn't it be great if it worked that way? Well, it doesn't. It takes time to be holy. Now, think with me a moment. Joshua was a military leader. They had just crossed the Jordan. The Jordan Sea stood up in a heap. The water was like a wall. They walked through on dry ground. The Canaanites were watching. And 
in verse 1, it tells us, I'll read it for you, Joshua 5, 1, when all the Amorite kings west of Jordan, all the Canaanite kings who lived among the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear. The enemy's morale collapsed. The Canaanites were demoralized. And the Israelites had momentum. Now, they were ready to run the Jericho. They were ready to run and face their enemies. And God said, no, stop. Hmm. Stop. Haven't you noticed that God is never in a hurry? Again and again, we'd like to set the alarm clock and say, God, now's time to work. Well, maybe 15 minutes or so, but God, now's the time to work. God is never in a hurry. He's concerned about you. We get so caught up in the work of God that we forget that God is concerned about the worker. We're so concerned with accomplishing this task or that task or doing this or that, and God's concerned with who you are on the inside. God, that's not a good time. Stop now. We have the momentum. The enemy is paralyzed, demoralized. Now's the opportunity. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. It takes time to be holy. God wanted them to take time and camp at Gilgal, and four things happened that were critical before they could go in and take the promised land. Four things happened before they could go in and take the land that God had promised them. And I believe these things in our lives must happen before we could get where God wants us to be and have what God wants us to have. Now, I've chosen four words to summarize these four events. And the words are consecration, commemoration, change, and commander. The consecration, the commemoration, the change, and the commander. Looking first, and we're going to spend most of our time on the consecration. The wilderness was a time of unbelief and judgment. A time for old Israel to die and be judged. Now, the generation had doomed themselves to wandering around in the wilderness for all of those years. And you know in the wilderness, they never circumcised their children. They never circumcised the male children. Circumcision was important to a Jew. It was established when God made a covenant with Abraham. He said, this is a lasting covenant for generations to come for your children. It's a sign that you belong to me. For all those years in the wilderness, they neglected circumcision. David, when he talked about Goliath, used the term that uncircumcised Philistine. Saul, King Saul said, I'd rather die by my own sword than be killed by those uncircumcised 
Philistines. It was a derogatory term. To be uncircumcised was shame. It was a reproach. Here at Gilgal, God was going to remove the reproach. If you look at the Bible text, verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. That word reproach means scorn, uh, casting blame, a connotation of shame. He said, I'm going to take away your shame. I'm going to take away your scorn. See, for all of those years walking around the wilderness, what do you think the Egyptians were saying? Yeah, God let them out. Some promised land they're in. Look at those Israelites. What are they doing? Walking around in the wilderness. Oh, just going in circles year after year after year. The desert experience was an extension of Egypt in their hearts. God took them out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't taken out of them. Their unbelief, their murmuring, their complaining, their failure to trust God, all of those things doomed them, condemned them to wandering around in circles year after year after year after year, and they became the scorn of nations. And God says, I'm going to do something at Gilgal. I'm going to roll off that shame. To a New Testament believer, to live in the world brings reproach to God and to ourselves. Listen to the words of the Apostle John, who spoke in 1 John chapter 2. Stop loving this world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, the pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. And this world is fading away along with everything it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. What does church mean? Ecclesia is the Greek word. It means called out ones. What are we called out from? We are called out from the world. Egypt is a type of the world. And as the Israelites were to come out of Egypt, so we are to come out of the world. Our love, our devotion, our priorities are to be far different from those who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now, Byron was a brilliant poet, but he was in a mad chase to live a life of pleasure, and he pursued it with all of his strength. And in his last days, he wrote these words of poetry. Listen to what he said. The thorns I have reaped are of the tree I have planted. They have torn me and I bleed. I should have known what fruit would spring from such a tree. Some like enough religion. They like enough Christianity that it's like an insurance policy, but they don't want to pay the premiums. If we are the church, the called out ones, we have to live different from the world. We can't love what the world loves. We can't follow what the world follows. Not that we become odd or strange, 
But we are strangers, and we are different, and our destination is heaven. We are not driven by what drives people. The love for this world, materialism, the pleasures of this life. No, our agenda is different. It's from the Spirit of God. Now, think about people, a whole generation who never reached the promised land. I believe that there are Christians who never reach the promised land, meaning they never get into the book of Ephesians. They never experience the spiritual blessings that God has for the believer. They just sort of get saved. They leave Egypt, but sort of don't leave Egypt. And they wander around their whole Christian experience. They never make very much progress. They limit God in their lives. Oh, yes, you could limit God in your life. You could tie God's hands. You could keep him from being all that he wants to be in your life. Listen to what the scripture says. Psalm 78, 41. Yes, and again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. What tragic words. God would have brought them into the land. God would have fulfilled his promises for them. God would have done all that he said he was intending to do. But they didn't experience that. Instead, they became a byword for failure, a reproach. And God said, I want you to come to Gilgal. And I want to roll off that reproach. Listen to what Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 says. The Lord your God will cleanse your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul so that you may live. That's the doorway into life. That's the key into life, to have a circumcised heart. See, Paul said it's not the circumcision of the flesh, but it's the circumcision of the inner man, the heart that really counts. It's when the sign of the covenant is in your heart, when God gives you that new heart. And God was calling the people to the place called Gilgal. And he said, I want to roll off that reproach. Are there things in your life that are a reproach to God, to yourself? Do you doom yourself to defeat? God wants to roll that reproach off of you. He's a God who loves and cares and is interested in you. And so he said to them, all right. You're not ready to go into the promised land yet. I want you to camp at Gilgal, and we're going to reinstitute the circumcision. The reproach was rolled off. Not only that, but the covenant was renewed. In Deuteronomy 10, 16, it says, Circumcise your hearts, therefore do not be stiff-necked any longer. And the New Living Translation reads, Therefore cleanse your sinful hearts. Stop being stubborn. Think about this military leader thinking, all right, we're missing the opportune time to take the city of Jericho, to take the inhabitants of the land. God says, stop. Observe the right of circumcision. Well, that would have disabled all of the warriors, all of the men of Israel. They would have been vulnerable to attack. They would have been in pain. God sometimes wounds us before he can heal us. Have you felt the smarting knife of conviction when the Holy Spirit moves? 
It's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would bring up things before us, things that maybe we must make right with God, things that need to be changed. We can't limp along in our Christian experience and still carry along all of those things that God says get rid of. See, God wants people with circumcised hearts, hearts that have been made pure, hearts that have been made right. When the Spirit of God moves in a person's life, they become aware of their sinfulness, and they become broken, and they break before God, and God graciously heals and puts them together. But it was a time of great pain. When's the last time that in the presence of God, you felt conviction so strongly that there was inward pain where you couldn't do anything, where you had to just get before God and say, oh God, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. Come and work deep in my heart. Lord, times of repentance should be marked throughout the Christian's life. Not only when you come to Jesus Christ initially and receive him as your Savior, but the deepest times of repentance are often all along the journey when you begin to understand the holiness of God. God was prescribing radical surgery. It's hard when you put to death works of the flesh. It's hard when you surrender your will to God. Listen to the words of Dr. Larry Crabb. He talks about repentance. He says, one, to identify those interactions with life in which protection from personal pain is higher priority than obedience to God. It's too painful for me to say I'm sorry. God, it's too painful for me to get in an accountability group and open up my heart. God, it's too painful for me to change. That the crab goes on to say, number two, to replace self-protective manipulation with vulnerable obedience. Vulnerable obedience. Circumcision of the heart is what God is looking for, deep down, where no one knows you, only God. Ezekiel eleven nineteen reads, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. How gracious God is. The next thing that happened was a time of commemoration the Passover. That's the second point. But before you could get to the commemoration, there had to be the consecration. There had to be circumcision because the Bible says no person who was uncircumcised could partake of the Passover. Now, here they're celebrating this Passover festival, and for 38 years, they hadn't celebrated it in the desert. They celebrated it when they left Egypt, they celebrated it at Mount Sinai when they received the law, but for 38 years they didn't observe the Passover. Why? They would have been hypocritical. They were walking in disobedience. They were living self-willed lives. And so they couldn't really. You know, when people are not spiritually in tune with God, they can't really partake of the Passover. 
it commemorated their deliverance. In 12.27, Exodus, it says this, That ye shall say, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt, and smote the Egyptians, and delivered our houses. The people bowed the head in worship. See, it was a remembrance of what God did for them. It was a remembrance of God's work in their lives, how God took them out of Egypt, how God spared them from judgment. And so they were looking back on that institution. Now, let me just make an aside, a comment here. The Paschal Lamb represents Jesus Christ. How many know that? In the Old Testament, the Lamb represented Jesus. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb, I'm gonna get into some theology here, was not Jesus. It was a shadow of Jesus. Communion is not Jesus. It's a remembrance of Jesus. The important thing that happened at Passover and the important thing that happens at communion is this. I remember. We spoke on memorials. How quickly we forget. How quickly our encounters with God, his demonstrations of faithfulness, slip our mind and leave our heart. God knew we would have this problem. God knew that our spiritual memories would sometimes suffer. And so he said, do this in remembrance of me. Every time we observe the Lord's Supper, we are remembering that Jesus Christ delivered us from Egypt, that he delivered us from sin, that he washed our sins in his precious blood, that it cost him his everything. And so communion, when we come to this table, is a time of remembrance. It's a time where we are circumcising our hearts. That's why often during the communion service, there's a wonderful sense of the presence of God as we search our hearts as the psalmist told us to pray search my heart O God and see if there be any wicked way in me see we pick up the dirt of this world and the sin of this world and from now until the time we reach heaven we will be sinners having to deal with our own sinfulness but at the communion it brings us back to the price that Jesus paid Remember the words, I think it was Andre Crouch who said in the song, take me back, dear Lord, take me back to the place I first received you. Again and again, God is calling you and me to go back to that first place, that first love, that first devotion. We need intentionally to stir our hearts. We need intentionally to focus on God because the heart left to itself will become hard and will become stiff-necked. That's our nature. I think of the old song that said, roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. And God knew the importance that they would remember that he took them out of slavery, that he made a people that were no people into a nation. And again and again, we remind ourselves 
we want to encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. We know that God's Word never returns void. We've made it really simple. Visit buildinginfaithradio.com and click on today's date. Then you can share today's message on your Facebook page and Twitter feed, or even download a copy to share. Again, that's all available at buildinginfaithradio.com. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It is our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Joshua, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.